Hello and welcome to episode 18 of series three of Cherry Jam. Uh, we've actually got the full gang in this evening, I think. Uh, but anyway, it's myself, Ed Price, James Eastwood or Snowy, Lawrence Landre or Loz, and Russ Brooks, and hopefully Jim Harley a bit later on in the pod. Uh, we're going to start this week, uh, start talking about the um, the Wasps Gloucester game on Friday. Uh, a win for Gloucester away at a a venue that they've had decent records at recently, but um, a win doesn't really tell you the whole tale. Uh, I'll uh, I'll let um, Loz start with this one, and um, we'll talk about the uh, the first half, and then we'll talk. I'll talk to Snowy and Russ about the second half, but we'll talk about the first <laughs> half, Loz. <laughs> so, so your view of that first half, uh, your views on it? Yeah, that first half is very good. Happy with the first half. Mm. Controlled it quite well. Um, scored a couple of opportunities twice. Um, you know, Johnny May doing Johnny May things. The first one. Um, the second try was a nicely worked one. Um, but seems gave away a couple of silly penalties. I was quite glad they scored their try from the rolling more to bring it back to I think it was ten five because Clement came in from the side. Which I don't know what he was thinking when he was trying to achieve it, like, other than just have a ten-minute break because that's all he was likely to get mm. for what he did. I don't, I don't want to go after him personally because I think he had a very good game. Um, but what I'm getting at is we're still giving away stupid penalties. You know, you've played rugby for more than five minutes, you understand you can't come inside and roll in more no matter what. Um, and at that level, all that's going to succeed in doing because of all the spotlight. You know, it's not like the local stuff that we used to play in where you had a referee who could barely see in front of him. You got touch judges as well as this, you know, one of the best referees around in Luke Pierce. And then you got the TMO as well. And it was just nothing to be gained from what he was trying to achieve by doing that. Um, mm. It was a little bit dull. Thankfully, we got away with it because they scored. Um, our defence to the rolling ball didn't look great because it's easy to say that because they scored a couple of tries in the first half from the rolling ball. But, it was just worrying how easily that once they caught the ball, they actually went on to score those tries from the rolling ball. So the first one, I thought, I mean, I, I take, I do agree with you on, on the rolling. It was second, certainly the second try, uh, the rolling ball defence didn't look really that hot. And, and and on a number of occasions, Wasps drove us back with the rolling ball. Um, I, I do think the first try that Wasps scored was actually a really, really well-worked move. I mean, um, they shifted that ball very quickly to the front and then... They, 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 set, they set it up very well with the yeah. way they got it. Um, I, but it's, my point more with the first one was how... Uh, the, the, you know, was a, a, as I said, like, it seems like I'm having a go at Clement. And, you know, if anyone wants to turn around and say I was, I can't argue too much about it because I'm, I'm pulling him out. But if we hadn't conceded that try, I can't see how anything other than him going to the bin would have occurred. And then they probably get a penalty try as well because what he did would have caused it to go down. Umigo missed the kick from the, the try, the conversion. Mm. It would have been an automatic seven points. That's what I mean about it. I, I, so I, as I repeat, I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm singling someone out, but that was just dull. And it's not one of those where you turn around and say, all right, yeah, it was a calculated risk. There was just nothing to be gained from no. it other than the 10 minute break. Um, no. The second one, the second yeah. one was, a, as you said, the first one they set up really well. The second one actually we stopped the roll in more quite well. But then our, we are in the process of stopping it. We left ourselves with just me and who didn't want to know 
when their hooker went over. Um, he didn't make any effort to step forward and try and stop that. He just was like, oh, they've scored. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but... yeah, I think I think that they were definitely... What I would say is I think we're probably being hypercritical in the fact that that first half overall was really, really excellent. Um, and it was frustrating that re- it was only two penalties um, that gave him a chance to go to the corner and score tries. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm always hypercritical of Gloucester. That's just me because I want us to be as perfect as we can yeah. be. No, um, no, I, 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 I totally we get your point. Yeah. We, played, we played really well in the first half, but we didn't set the world alight with how we played. So it means that mm. you do pick up on things like that. But I want to congratulate the team overall, just skipping ahead completely. I would have took 5-2 as a point score before the game started. Mm. I know we're not going on to that now. How it ended, I was, as everyone knows, because I put, I didn't hide the fact I was bitterly disappointed on Twitter about how we got, how it ended up. Partly because we'd already experienced that earlier in the season against Sale. Yeah. But moving away from that last 10 minutes, the first 70 minutes was just as good a performance that we've seen from them for a while. Yeah, I was going to pick out a few points and I'll come to Russ and Snowy on this. So, um, yeah, thanks a lot. The, 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 the two points really for me were, were how good the centres partnership was. Um, I think helped by Hastings and having people like May and Thorley back to give a bit more go forward possibly. Um, but I thought the cent- Mark Atkinson and, um, and Billy Twelve Trees were excellent. I thought, um, anybody else that sort of stood out for you, Snowy in, in the game, whether it was forwards or, or backs. Um, I don't think I can really have a fair opinion on that because I didn't watch the whole game. I've only watched the extended highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, I didn't see the me and double 10 meters. <laughs> Which yeah, is probably probably a good thing. Yeah, I'll be um, I'll be honest. We'll come on to that in a bit. Really, uh, yeah. a good thing. I mean, yeah. so for me, so what what I got from the highlights, and please correct me if this isn't a sort of fair reflection, was that so I am starting to feel like we're stringing results together, and ultimately that's what's important, and we're starting to play some effective rugby. But again, it was like the opposition were just absolute garbage. Um, Wasps were. Po- I expected a lot more from Wasps. They were poor, and um, the the two um, the two tries that we scored from twelve trees in May in the first half. If we had conceded those, I would be absolutely fuming. It was like tackling optional, um, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And again, we have beaten what's in front of us. Um, yeah. And then obviously we've we've nearly thrown it away at the end. We made a lot of wholesale changes in a short period again, which is always risky. Um, but again, as I say, I, I can't really get the nuances of the of the game and the way it's ebbing and flowing from the highlights. But it's, it's another one where I feel like great result, but are we is our performance good enough to really challenge the top four at the minute? That I'm still not sure. Yeah, Los, and then just, just yeah, know? sorry, yeah, just quick when you asked um, players who stood up, I thought Davidson in the second row had a very very good game. Mm-hmm. He looks like he could be a good side. Gives the way the odd questionable penalty but then don't they all um I th- yeah i thought he had a very good game person if you're asking yeah. for players who st- yeah, no, stood out for me yeah. That's, yeah that's good good shout uh russ i think what i will say i again appreciate what snowy said we've got to remember wasps were poor i mean they've lost like eight out of 11 at home or something they've got a shocking home record so it kind of negates how rare they got 19 we, players we, out injured as well. Yeah, and they've they? got players out injured. But and again, I appreciate you can only play what's in front of you. And I, you know, I'm going to come on to what I thought was a positive. That's the balance, and I think that's the frustration for me of again letting a team back into a game they we should have been 
they should have been dead and buried. I thought the first 60, maybe 65 minutes were brilliant. We switched off again. And it's still frustrating because I, I do worry that someday that's going to come back to bite us. We will do that against a team we cannot afford to do that against. Yeah. Um, what I will say is I'm probably the one who moans the most about I can't see a game plan other than from the more. Yes, the tries were sw- soft for Billy, but at least I could see what they were trying to do. And he ran that line brilliantly all, all game. And it created a lot outside him because Ross had to mark him or they let him through like a, a, a gate, like they did a couple of times. But at least you could see what we were trying to do and create because it was opening up room for Hastings. I thought Hastings had a very good game, particularly kicking. Um, and also it was creating space again. Atkinson, like you said, Ed was superb. So yeah. there was a lot, you could see a lot more structure. And interestingly, we moan about the stats a lot. What were interesting about the stats this week were there was the stats of a team that probably should have lost that game. I think Wasps outperformed us everywhere. I think some of that was towards the end, but you know, it looked better. There was less kicking. Yeah. So at least the game how was how, how was me and me and, and the kicking generally? Did it feel like the 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 play I developed thought, a bit over the last few yeah, weeks, or was so it sort of back to? I thought he was all right. I only saw the whole of the second half, but from the highlights, he looked good. Ten meter discipline aside, which was re- yeah, we'll really second, really yeah. infuriating. Mm. I thought overall he was better than I've seen him so I agree with you there and there's something that I I kind of I picked up on a few weeks ago um, at the bath game and the the bath game I noticed something and I thought maybe it's just me and it's because the bath team were really poor and then again I noticed it again against Exeter and it was very evident uh, on Friday night the speed in our the speed that we're setting up box kicking uh, from the rucks is infinitely quicker it's so much quicker it means that play that the Wasps defense couldn't set. So when Mean was making those kicks, the one thing I would say about Mean's Mean's kicks are have been generally very good. They're placed pretty much most of the time on the spot. But the problem was because they were setting up, taking up so long to set up, it was difficult for the chasers to get anywhere near the ball. Mean was nailing most of those box kicks. We would turn the ball over really quickly. And then getting an opportunity to attack. And I, and I haven't got a problem with that. And, and also, I would say, for the most part, the kicking, as you asked Snowy, the kicking was done in the right areas. There were a couple of kicks from Hastings, which, again, I could understand what he was trying to do. But maybe, in hindsight, rather than kicking the ball into the corner, we actually had a bit of momentum and go forward and wasp. Yeah, he kicked, he kicked one from just outside like 22, didn't he? Because there was just nothing on. Yeah, um, I said to my old man at the time because we were watching it whether he could have pretend. I know he wasn't set for a drop goal, but a snap to t- snap attempt at a drop goal might have been a better option. I don't know. Yeah, if just, nothing, if nothing was on because no, there wasn't exactly. anything on. That's the only reason he kicked for the corner, like he did, was because nothing yeah. was on. But what was but interesting? Was, what, one, sorry, go on. sorry, one thing which frustrates me with the box kicking. I appreciate you're saying they're setting it up quicker and not allowing the defence and stuff. Surely that what you two remain went to the um, uh, the the the, the forum the other yeah. day. And they turned around and said the, bo- the level of box kicking is because if it's slow ball, we need to box kick. Well, there was a couple of times when we had quick ball and he box kicked. And he, he did it from about halfway as well. Mm. And I'm not entirely sure I want our team with quick ball on halfway to be box kicking it. Especially uh, uh, yeah. Also, also, they yeah, did, they didn't, didn't even look to see if anything was on. It was just Well, I, th- I, th- it, it, I know exactly which there was two or three incidents. And I think I think in defence of me and um, the... The, the it wasn't a case of whether something was on or not. 
that one was a case of we'd gone through 10, 12, 13 phases. We were starting to go backwards. And I think actually in those situations, it's not necessarily the worst idea to get it up. Yeah, into to go there. backwards, I agree, but we weren't. So the one which I'm referring to. We really I think there was one particularly, we agree. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. and to, I'm sorry, but if, if that's our choice, then that's the game plan is uh, to, to the predominantly we... box kick, surely. Is what that, yeah. And that's what I don't like. It's me personally, I know, but I want us... I don't yeah, want us yeah, to run it every time, but I want us to play heads up, play what's in front of us. If it's not yeah. on, kick it. But it should be a way... default option. There There's other ways other to way. deal with slow ball, aren't there? You yeah. generate yeah. fastball, and that's what the forwards are for. I think, playing devil's advocate, what I did think was better was there was a bit more variety in the game plan. There, there wasn't the number of box kicks. I mean, that, no. that in itself is worrying. Like, like, oh, if you generate like, generated slow ball, there needs to be some variety in trying to make it quick ball, just a bit yeah. better racking or just a couple of pick and goes and get a fast phase. But... It was better variety. I think what concerns me was the defence was quite good at times, but the last 15 minutes, it was an optional extra. Like those tries again. I mean, the Warner Manga try was, yeah. was a, a good, was a bit of luck and he did really well. It was a fluke. A fluke. But, but we just switched off the way. They were stupid penalties. I was going to say, there's a difference between, I, 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 did, I think there was two or three line breaks that Wasp made in the, in the entire game. And actually, the cover defence was very good. What uh, If you take Umaga's try out of it, the, the one that came off his boot, which was a fluke, I mean, let's be honest, that could have gone anywhere. Um, they did have the penalty, though. They had a penalty advantage on that. So, again, and I agree, the penalties, the, the number of penalties, I think we were something like, I think we'd only given maybe five penalties away. I mean, we were, we were almost until, lucky not to have to only have one in the bin yeah. towards the end. It was getting ridiculous. I, I think we gave away five penalties or four penalties up until about the 71st minute. And then we gave three penalties. 13 overall. Yeah, I, I we, mean, gave, yeah. we gave eight or nine in the space of 10 minutes. And they were really close together. That's why the, and that, the that, That's what worries me. Is, it's, it's our mental acumen. That concerns me more than the box kicking now. Is You can't yeah. afford. And it's whether it's at the end of the game or the start of the game or midway. We just, for whatever reason, we have 10 minutes where we just have a brain fart and just... It's- are our own worst enemy and that's yeah. worrying in itself and that's what they need to cut out they've got to stay well, switched on go if we're going to talk about these 10 minutes what worries me is that's twice we've got lucky we got lucky against was because if they retained the ball they would have scored i know they were a long way out so you might say that might sound like an outlandish thing to say but they controlled that ball for from 72 minutes onwards we barely touched it and they didn't mm-hmm. make too many mistakes in that and the, actually i think the only mistake they made in those remaining nine minutes because it was 81 minutes i think it was when it blew up was the knock on at the end and that 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 whole we've got a game one we can't possibly from lose from here hang on just for shits and giggles, let's see if we can lose it. Because we should have lost to sale. Yeah. We should have lost to sale. They, no, they, they, they missed the conversion. If they convert, yeah. we lose. You know, we, we, we've got complete control against wasps. And we've done our best to try and throw it away. And they were in control of the ball. And they, they probably potentially only needed to go another phase and a half. And Gopras has got to kick a goal from 40 metres. Yeah. You so don't I, miss too I, many of them. I want to do, um, just quickly touch on something. Because it does... <laughs> The daft thing is, we've come away. As, we've kind of all made the point. We, we've come away with five points away from home, and we're all disappointed with the last ten minutes, which is, I think, quite a good sign in the fact that it shows we're obviously quite demanding as supporters. We want to see the best, and lots of us want to see the perfect performance. But the one thing I want to just quickly touch on, which was, it's me and the ten meters, twenty meters, and the rest of it. 
And a few wow. little things that I found quite interesting in terms of Luke Pierce and his refereeing. I'm not, I thought Luke Pierce actually refereed it really well. The way he d- dealt with the the mean incident was entirely correct. Mean was out of order. You don't keep don't keep the ball away and don't keep chatting away. That's twenty meters. Thanks very much. Agreed. However, uh, and, and equally, I, I, the way he kind of dealt with the whole situation about Gloucester's disallowed try, in terms of explaining why that was not allowed. Fine, brilliant. Everyone knows and stands what that what happened there. Great. I didn't think though, if you're looking and comparing and making sure people are consistent here, Brad Shields was screaming at Luke Pierce oh, yeah. for about 30 seconds. Luke Pierce told him to shut up three times. And well, on their try line, wasn't it? On their try line. This is where when they had the cock up with with the disallowed try and didn't do anything. And then me and could he, I mean, don't be wrong, it's a stupid thing to do. You should kick the ball away. But Mian kicks the ball away, gets 10 metres. Didn't seem to say a huge amount, I'll be honest. He obviously said something, 10 more metres. There was a, um, a a penalty given, I think it would have been from kickoff, uh, which led to the second try. Sorry, the, the, the second of the Umaga tries. Uh, we kicked off, um, we tackled, and I think it was the, the scrum off was basically screaming the refer- to Luke Pierce saying, look at this, look at this, look at this. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Penalty. Penalty. Yeah, yeah I, you know things like that. I just find a bit, a bit. Un- yeah, that that, you know I mean? admit, that that really annoyed me. The Brad Shields one because look, he couldn't he couldn't march him, but he could have penalised him. And they could. No, he he actually up. said, we "I can't penalty, march. So you I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't yeah. march for ten meters." He said, "Do you?" But he should have just turned around and said, "Okay, I've given you enough chances. Bang, penalty." And then if he still goes on, then the next thing is yellow card. Yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to just quickly touch on was the the performances of players that are really, you know, we, we think we didn't have Ackerman, we didn't have Ben Morgan. Um, they didn't, so they, they, they didn't play at all. Um, people like Balmain didn't start. Um, and, 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 you know, our, back, our second row again was Davidson and Armano. Uh, we brought on young Freddie Thomas at the end. Um I thought Ludlow was outstanding again. But it does show you we've got a bit... And obviously, we talk about Jack Clement, who, again, had a really good game, scored a good try. There is a lot of depth now in that squad. I think the only the only player I didn't really get to see when he came on, I don't think he touched the ball if he even came on, was um, uh, Georgi Givazadze. I'm not sure if he came on at the end. Um, or if he did, it was, it was barely mentioned. But the depth, surprisingly, it's one of those things, the depth in the squad does seem better than it than we kind of maybe thought yeah. it was. I'd agree um, with that. Much, sure. I yeah. agree, because I think I was worried about it earlier in the season, but people coming back and people are seemingly stepping up at the moment. You can't argue with the depth. It yeah. was a worry well, against Sk- Exeter, wasn't it, when we were playing yeah. with the lack there, but it's better Skivington, now than it was then. Skivington has clearly seen something, Jack Clement, because since he's been there, he's given him a chance. And when we came back after COVID, Clement, who hadn't really played for us before, got called up for the to train with England, didn't he? And mm. just come into the team because he was playing that well. Yeah. So he's clearly got talent. And, you know, I, I, I singled him out earlier because of a silly penalty, but that was only because it was just so dull. And I, I hate it when anyone does it. But his overall game was, it was really, really good, played it? Yeah. really well. So, Given so who we were try. missing, we didn't actually miss them. No, no. Snowy, any comments sort of on the depth and the sort of wider game and your views on that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I think depth is pretty good in that we've got a number of options in each position. I still think the issue is that at international time, we lose too many of our yeah. top players. Yeah. It's too it's too big an impact at international time now. 
autumn internationals you do get away with it to an extent because we've got the um the cup fixtures but it's in the six nations we'll be hit by that so probably yeah. wait and see yeah it, it's going to be interesting i mean you know the argument being that everyone suffers but a gloucester i think as you quite made quite rightly pointed out it's not just the big nations we lose team players to it's not like yeah. england and wales and scotland we're losing players to russia and georgia and yeah, we won't lose our Argentinians coming. No, that's nations, the one so advantage that we, we keep yeah. all the Argentinians this time. So we keep those three, we, but we will lose um, Varney, although he's not really playing at the moment. Um, Hastings, well, I don't think we'll lose Atkinson if, if, if players are fit as well as he's done. I just don't think we will. Because Lansing will lose to Georgia. Lewis Result will obviously lose to. Um, Wales, uh, Wales. Uh, we'll lose Johnny May to England. Uh, we got Forley on one wing, and then we'll probably have Carreras on the other with Moyle at fullback. So I don't think we're going to be weak in the back three. Or, 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 so Jake, or, Joe, or Jake Morris. Or, or Jake Morris. Yeah, there, there, there are other options as well. Mm. So I think we're going to be okay from a back three point of view. Forwards wise, what we're going to lose. Well, front row. Got to F. We'll lose. We'll lose. We'll lose. Got to F. Yeah, but then we got Barmain and Ford Robinson can play outside as well, can't yeah. he? So. Um, might lose Singleton you know, possibly may lose I don't know I just think that I think Singleton's dropped quite a way down the pecking order I know he's mm. called up for tackle bagging duty the other day but they, he likes that um, young lad from Leicester and with a Leicester's going it's very difficult to turn mm. around and say about any of that you know against any of their players being selected second back row will be okay second row will be okay um, yeah because um, the only second row forwards. we would not, lose not, would be Craig and right the I think yeah. Snowy props still worries me a little in a lot of ways because I still think there's players who've got a little bit to learn and we, that's where we felt we lost the game against Exeter is I don't think our bench was as good. I still feel like that's something we are where we are this season. For me, that's why I'd be looking to strengthen next season. But mm. I think overall, you look at where we are compared to against Exeter, I feel like we are going in the right direction. Everything feels better this week than mm. after that Exeter game. It's a good yeah. result. Sorry, I think we're starting, we're starting to use a backline, which is a classy backline, yeah. even when you've got a few options switched out. But the two big problems for me are still, we don't generate fastball with our forwards. So we don't tend to get over the gain line. The fastball come from that. We're still sort of relying on doing stuff off first phase or off flat ball, or we kick the ball away and we try and play on mistakes from the opposition, mm. um, which I don't think is very sustainable. Um, and the other one's defence because we're still shipping fuck loads of points. And also some missed tackles as well. We made 160 something tackles and missed 32. You know, it's just <laughs> I think an outrageous amount yeah, of tackles to miss. I was thinking about it, talking to my father-in-law, who's a casual fan, like they look at it and go, Gloucester are doing well in the league at their, with the position we're in. And I think for me, I think you'll hit the nail on the head with all those issues, Snow. But I think what we are doing is that pack is, we're performing above the sum of our parts at the moment. It's hard to be annoyed with where we are in the table when you look at some of the teams lower down the table yeah. who should probably be way above us. So I don't think we've got the best pack in the world, but... They're getting we're the results. Doing job. Yeah. We're doing a job, are, and they're doing, doing well job. enough. I think what for me the next ask is, it comes down to who we bring in, and you would hope that they see that we do, like you say, we need to have some pack players who can 
generate that quick ball mm. or get over the game line. So for me, it's what we sign next will show how good this coaching staff is in terms of where. So, yeah. I, I want to see us beat a team where we say that's a good team. We've gone and beaten yeah. a good team. And I don't think we've actually done that all season. But well, yeah, to be I, fair, I we've, only played, we, we've only played two good teams. Yeah, I yeah, feel like we yeah. are better. I feel like I'm in a better place about how we're doing than I was a few weeks ago. I think actually we're performing yeah. better than that side probably should, which is, you know, it sounds like I'm damning them with faint praise. I think that's a good thing. If you've got a pack that collectively performs as a pack, it's hard to be annoyed with that pack, really. Yeah. Certainly uh, in terms of set, set piece, organisation set piece yeah. is good. Yeah. Scrums, good. Scrums, scrums have improved markedly again you know the scrum on friday night i think we won three four penalties from scrum time or three penalties from scrum time a free kick um the line out i the line out the more line out is one of those things teams are gonna everyone there's probably one area of the game where people teams realize they can gain a massive advantage it's it's a it's a real opportunity to have various set plays gloucester if if we can get one or two tries a game from the rolling mall that's going to put us in a great position. The defence of the rolling wall, that's always going to have to be a developing thing. You you really have just got to hit it straight away. You've got to stop it straight away. Or if you don't stop it straight away, you've just got to pull it down and kind of hope that you don't get a, pit, you don't get a, a yellow card. It's referee it's, dependent as well, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah. yeah. The, the key bit is not giving the penalty away that leads them yeah. to giving getting a chance for a rolling wall. That's the, that's the key bit. Um, I just want to quickly, before we, we break, I want to quickly touch on the um, extra... Premiership Gap Cup game because we didn't get a chance to talk about that because no one really was available and I was really busy. Um, so it was a really great win, I thought. Uh, you know, the Bath game was a bit of a daft one. You know, we put a full strength side out more or less. Bath put a kids team out. We put 70 points on them. Everyone's happy. Great. The Exeter game was more of a, I thought, uh, a, a fair sort of shot between the two. You know, we had a, a, a they weren't that dissimilar. The Probably the only big difference was that Gloucester had a much more experienced front row um and the um the changes we made we had you know we were able to bring on players that probably had a little bit more experience than Exeter did but we really outplayed them the whole game and and looked very comfortable apart from maybe five minutes I think Exeter had a, a fairly okay start but we we really just dominated them and it was lovely to see some of the 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 uh, back play and um quick ball and again it was the one thing that was noted the fact that uh, you know, compared to the previous weeks, it was a lot quicker, a lot snappier. We were getting the ball out to the wingers um, and giving them an opportunity to run. Sorry, Loz, yeah, go ahead. One thing I think has been quite apparent, I don't, admittedly I wasn't at the game, um, but what's quite apparent is the training of the um, academy players with the first team. So yeah. when someone does come into the side, whether we like the game plan or not, they're all on the same same page. Um, yeah. Same page, and I think that's probably where we're. Uh, and also the other thing as well, we've given quite a lot of these youngsters game time over the last eighteen months, and I think that's also possibly is you look at the at Exeter team, yeah, they got players they rotate in and out, and they've got a squad of 25, 26 players who are very very good who have got them all their success. But they don't tend to go too far away from that, you know, key squad. Whereas we play seem to play a lot more of our academy than what they've done lately. And I think that's possibly what benefited from the fact they've had that exposure with the first team. Um, and why our our um, chain side did a lot better than what their chain side did. 
Uh, just a quick note, actually, one final thing on, on that game. Uh, it was nice to see Aaron Hinckley on the back of the field again. He's really, really struggled with injuries um, since joining Exeter. Um, so he got, I think he got 65, 70 minutes. Um, so it's good that he got a run out. It's nice to see him back at King's Homes. I, I do think it's probably one of those players that, in hindsight, we're going to regret losing um, when he gets an opportunity to play more rugby, um, which I, I imagine he will do now. Uh, you know, he's going to make a big impact. I think he's he's a, a very, very impressive young player and I think he'll do well. Uh, right, we're going to pause now, come back. We're going to, we're going to talk about the internationals uh, uh, last week and some other changes to international rules uh, and then anything else that I want to talk about. So we're back and uh, we're going to start, actually, we're going to talk about um, a change to the international rules. Uh, I've managed to get them up in front of me so I can talk about it. Um, eligibility rules uh, for international uh, players have, have changed following a vote uh, by World Rugby or the World Rugby Council. Um, surprisingly so, and they'll apply from the 1st of January 2022. So it's unlikely that it's going to affect anything for the next, for the next World Cup, but this, this is basically what it means. So you, know, you, if you are a player for one country, you are allowed to change once to another country uh, for eligibility point. Um, now, the player must, first of all, stand down from international rugby for 36 months. So if you're an older player, not going to really work. Uh, so some of the stuff that was coming out about, like, you know, these old players like uh, Piatau and people like that changing over and becoming going back to Samoa or whatever, they ain't going to work. The player must either be born in the country to which they uh, wish to transfer or have a parent or grandparent born in that country. Under the revised Regulation 8, 8 criteria, a player may only change union once, and each case will be subject to approval by the World Rugby Regulations Committee to preserve integrity. So um, my initial thoughts on it is great. That might mean that some of the South Pacific Island nations, uh, I think Los raised this point, um, were going to be will benefit from it. It might help the likes of, say, some sides like Italy, um, maybe even Scotland, incredibly more, because they already uh, benefit from the fact that uh, they've got 900 million South Africans who are apparently Scottish. Um, and it will definitely benefit the likes of America um, and Canada and some of the even South American countries where they'll be able to maybe get a bit more experience um, from, say, European countries. Um, general thoughts about this, like as a, as a, I, as a move I, I forward? I don't see how it's going to benefit a lot of those countries. I think the the sole reason they've put this in and the sole benefit is for South Sea Island players that have gone across and become registered for New Zealand but end up not playing to that standard are then at the minute handicapped. So you've got all these players, good international rugby players that aren't playing international rugby that could be playing for the South Sea Islands. But I can't think of many players that have any, well, I can't think of anyone that's really just touched on the fringes of, say, one or two England caps and then end up not able to play international rugby. I suppose it's actually, it's probably less for that. So it's probably for, it's for people who are actually born in New Zealand or born in Australia, um, but have got grandparents or parents who were born in Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, um, might have got an Australian cap or a New Zealand cap. That, that does happen, but never really, or maybe, you know, or is, is part of the, the sort of setup. Um, and is young and actually thinks, you know what, now I've got an opportunity now to actually play for Samoa Tonga or Fiji. There are There is quite a lot of those players. Um, 
in and around New Zealand, right. Australia particularly. Um, they're not playing any international rugby for three years before they can even switch. Well, the, the um, argument being is that they can then play in anywhere they want. They can go and play in Japan, get loads of money, go and play in Europe, get loads of money. They don't have, they're not necessarily having to stick around New Zealand, and New Zealand, Australia, South Africa to uh, kind of just hope they're going to get a, a cap at some point. They can just right. go and make some money for three years if they're in their young, if they're in like 22, 23, 24, and then move off and come back and play for Fiji. Well, I saw Tonga were after Jesus's favorite creature, weren't they, for, for life? Yeah, because he he's obviously he would, he'd be a cap. perfect example. Just on caps for Australia, yeah. but he hasn't played for a while. He is Tongan by heritage, and now we can't because he's decided to um, voice his very questionable um, beliefs. Yeah. Means he's exonerated from uh, Australia, and um, now we mean this change in law. I believe means he can now play. International rugby for is uh, for Tonga, yeah, heritage, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the other one, the other example, I suppose, would be things like um, you've got uh, some players who are French that um, are South Pacific Islanders as well, or have got that heritage uh, and are now able to play potentially. You know, they might be in their late twenties, stand down for a few years. You, said, you said that Pieto couldn't play, but I also read that they were at Tonga after Pieto as well. I mean, I think he hasn't played international rugby for Donkers years because he got a couple of caps the old yeah, Then, then he came up to the Northern Hemisphere to earn the money. I think um, he's, a, he's so, available almost immediately. Oh, is he right? That's okay. the thing is, some of them. So, what I think there's a couple of things, isn't there? There's going to be a big impact. Like suddenly, everyone was suddenly everyone saying Tonga are quarterfinals for the next World Cup favourites. And I think there's a couple of things, isn't there? It's A, they've got to get themselves into the team and the team have got to fit them in because we've all seen teams where you just chuck a load of players and then how well they do. So there's this short-term impact to this, this law change. I think what's interesting is I read somewhere that someone was saying, actually, the amount of players New Zealand have taken from other nations is questionable. It's not actually as heavy as people say. I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know. I think part of that is because they 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 get people over when they're young, so they they're seen as New Zealand residents. I don't know. It's one that is just. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over a long period of time. It feels like it's going to be very. There's a lot of short term stuff that's going to happen from this, but there was lots of stuff of people saying how you could fiddle the rules and I just don't see it. I, the best example I saw was someone saying, well, someone could play for a country when they're young, when they're not good enough to play for England, get some experience and then play for England. And you're thinking, well, how the fuck does that work? Is that country <laughs> suddenly going to, oh, this, like, so like, someone said, what about someone like Jake Pledry? Oh yeah, so Italy are going to look at Jake Pledry and go, do you know what, Jake, you've given us a good few years up until 25, but it's time for you to step back and not play. So you can go off and play to England. I just think some of the some of the examples and worries people have just feel very over the top to me, and it'll be something I think might settle down after a while. I don't well, see it as although bad Jake Pelledry could be a very good example of where this might actually kick in, but because, because injury. injury hasn't able to be able to play international rugby I, I potentially think, yeah. for years, what and always, is then suddenly eligible to play for England. Yeah, what always happens, Ed, is there will be grey areas and loopholes in this that people haven't thought of, and then it could be cynically exploited, and then then they'll have to plug it. But yeah, I guess, mm. you know, we don't know how... The chances of someone who's been yeah. out injured for three years then becoming the quality of a player to play for England. No, I agree. I think and, it's very, and we're not very laughing, 
in an area we're not lacking players. Yeah, if Jake Jake Pelledry is out for three years, he will never play professional rugby again. I'm sorry. I hope he does and he's back later this season. But I use citing him as this guy. I know, I know. He was very. I know what you're getting at, but I think Ed makes someone of that quality. I think what you get is a a spate of people coming up with all these scenarios, worst case, and they very rarely play out, do they? We just. I think maybe if if, if, maybe if it was a reverse where um, he'd been injured and then wasn't quite the same player, having established himself as an England player, and then then going off to play for Italy, Italy, I think he might have a chance. Not trying to be disrespectful to Italy there, but. You know, then I, I, it's realistic yeah. loss. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing as well, just to, to touch on, which was the um, uh, from an international point of view, uh, we'll, we'll kind of move on a little bit. Um, so we had the last round of international matches last weekend, not weekend gone, the weekend before. Uh, England beat South Africa uh, in a, an incredibly close, tense, um, hard fought game. Yeah, uh, a lot of young uh, England players making. Um, not, no, well, not maybe not debuts, but making big statements. Um, like of Rafi Quirk, Kirk, uh, Marcus Smith again played quite well. Um, I thought uh, for all the sort of sticky gets, uh, Tom Curry again was excellent. Um, and it was interesting that uh, obviously without Farrell, um, you know that 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 uh, centre partnership, which would have been Tuilangi and Slade, but then it obviously wasn't. Because Tuilangi got injured in the first minute, but certainly Slade has now stepped up into an area where you're almost looking at him, going, "He's got to be almost the first minute, one of the first names on the team sheet." Um, and you know, despite the, uh, the 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 wrecking crew coming out and trying to uh, smash England to bits, um, England held on, um, and uh, Razzie was uh, sat at home with his Guinness. Crying into his Guinness, maybe I don't know. Uh, anyway, the uh, but the, the that was nice to see. Uh, what was really encouraging for Northern Hemisphere rugby was the French absolutely demolishing the All Blacks, and it was just wonderful, wonderful stuff to see. Um, I know Rush, you watched it, um, and you had a view on the, uh, the nearly the greatest try ever scored. I mean, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? I, I, I genuinely like I was watching it at home, and that time of night, I, I think I was. It could have been on Pornhub. I was almost convinced I was watching the wrong <laughs> channel. It was just filth that bit. But I think what impre- there was a lot of things that impressed me about that game. I mean, it shook the atmosphere of that game. France it was unreal, wasn't it? I mean, I now want to go and watch a Six Nations France England because the atmosphere was amazing. And it, you know, for all the times you get these games that are repeated every autumn international, France hadn't played New Zealand for eight years, and you could see there was like a really special atmosphere there. But the, the, I think the thing, so I spoke to a lot of people down, down in Dorset visiting them's family and their casual rugby fans, and they all talked about how amazing that game was. And I think all the with, um, internationals have been criticised for how, what the style of the game recently, and the, all of them, I can't think of a really bad test for this, but that game took it to another level. That first half was probably, I've never seen a team as... France or that were just they're pretty near perfect and I think someone made a good point the difference with that France team is New Zealand are used to playing teams who don't want to lose France played them as we're going to win this game and it's just slight it's a different way of approach France just didn't let them 
into the game to start with and it was unbelievable and I think they benefited from a load of people who not played the All Blacks before they just mm. played without fear did they I mean <laughs> Jesus Christ that team is scary if they can play like that the interesting thing Russ and, you, and I'll come to Snowy in a second you made a point about the fact that France didn't let New Zealand into that game and yet New Zealand were banging that game till about 65 minutes yeah and that just and shows I, you, you know, the, the the demise of New Zealand rugby may be slightly overstated. I mean, it is overstated. But it was, it? it was, it was a hell of a test match. I, I mean, and but and how good the French had to be because New Zealand made them that level. I mean, Dupont. I mean, we all, I, I rave about him anyway. He was unreal that game. And Nitamak. I think the thing everyone that the try that would have been the the best try that never was. I think as yeah. Snowy described it. What you have to remember is Nitamak went round Geordie Barrett under his own post. It wasn't like he went past anybody. He's probably one of the best fullbacks in the world. And he's not exactly slow, is he? And then, so yeah, New Zealand, I don't think, I think the demise is a bit overrated, isn't it? There's a mm. long way, we're a long way out to the World Cup. And the thing is with them is sometimes the worst thing you can do is is beat them at a time like this. Because they're not going to forget this, are they? They will remember this come that fixture. And they yeah, will first game of the World it. Cup. It's going to be yeah. uh, amazing. Sorry, Snow. It's going to be something else. Yeah, yeah um, I, I think what's really interesting in that game is that France showed that there's two ways to skin a cat. Like, if you're playing a good team, you don't have to sit in, defend really hard, kick the ball away when you can, kick to the corners and take points. You can also beat them by playing rugby and making good decisions in the spur of the moment. Yeah. And we, we've seen France take that too far before many times. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, but the, the balance was brilliant. They, they just bossed every element of the game. Um, and as you say, New Zealand were in it because New Zealand are always going to be in it. But it, at the same time, it's probably as... As, as big a win there has been against New Zealand that I can remember really in terms of one team actually being better than New Zealand in all facets of the game yeah um, so it's very impressive is is that a style of rugby that France can play consistently every game I think that's the six problem this it? year will be really yeah will be really interesting I, to see I think the thing I would take from that is exactly that I think this six nations feels one of the most open in a long time mm-hmm. for me like, there's a lot of teams that could be contenders. Uh, there's one team, Italy, that might that won't. not be looking forward to it. <laughs> well, this, this really seems to be the best Scotland team for, over thir- for the best part of 30 yeah, years. And, I, and, and, yeah. and, and what has been forgotten because of the France performances, Ireland were very good against New Zealand yeah. as well. And they're, yeah. in the mi- they're yeah. right in the mix as well. Yeah, Wales were poor all autumn. Well, we kept getting lucky uh, again. With I, so I'm going to come on to the Wales don't now. Get red cards. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Can Wales actually beat anybody? I, I'm, I need to get the stats up, but Wales beating a side with 15 players since uh, Pivac has been coach. There can't be many. I was going through the, I was going through my head. Well, they beat Scotland and Scotland got a red card, didn't they? I think yeah. they beat Ireland and Ireland got a red card. Um, yeah. Italy, does, Italy doesn't count. Uh, doesn't count. Um, they beat Fiji just with Fiji getting a red card. They beat Australia yeah. at the last kick of the game because Australia got a red card and they were literally out on their feet. They had nothing left. Um, Fiji had 13 players for most of that Fiji game. Fiji had 13 <laughs> players for most of that game. Um, and, and I do think 
I mean, I, I've said this for a while. I don't think PVAC is up to it. I don't think what I don't understand what Wales's game plan is. It's just weird. It's just doesn't work. Whatever they're trying to do. Oh, I don't think their game plan is to get someone sent off on the opposition. But it looks like. I don't know. I, I don't think I it's a coaching issue. So many red cards against. I mean, them. they are short. They are missing a lot of players. Is the only thing I could think for them. I mean, oh. the one thing they have done is they've bloodied a lot of players as a result of it. So maybe there's some depth. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think it's so. I don't, I don't know they're... if it's I don't know if it's a coaching issue or a playing issue. They just seem yeah, quite no, I think, I, I, I point, think, yeah. yeah, well no, my I think my point is there's some great young players coming through for England, especially, but also mm. Scotland and even Ireland seem to have finally yeah. a few of those old boys they're bringing some young guys in. There's I a think... gap in quality between the young guys on in the Welsh squad and the young guys in some of the other yeah. squads, I think. I think yeah. the thing I'd say just switching to England, Ed, is I was probably the most critical of Eddie Jones's selection, but the youngsters have come through really well. I mean, you list them all and the positions, 15, 9, 10, there's some very good young players. I mean, even without, you know, Marcus Smith, there's some good 10s to back him up. Nine, there's... Four backs. Four backs. Stewart is just, I mean, he looks... Stewart, Stewart. And, and the other one you didn't mention, who I thought did all right against South Africa was Bevan Rod in the front row. I thought he did mm. as well as he could well, for a young guy. We're getting the ironic thing was it, squad as well. well as he, the, bomb squad, it, it, the ironic thing was, it wasn't the starters that struggled. It was the replacements for England yeah. that struggled. And, and the replacements, if you looked at who they were, were far more experienced yeah. and far more, you know, I mean, all right, Sinclair got an absolute tune-in. Um, which he is liable to do. I don't really rate him as a scrummager, uh, which would be interesting because he's going to be playing Gloucester, I imagine, on, on Friday. Um, but um, I'm you know, sure he listens to the pod, mate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, my, my point is more wide in the fact that he does get a tuning every so often. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, my, my view on England is that we, people made, I think people made a bit too much fuss about the win against Africa because it wasn't, a full South African side. It was a South African side that are at the end of the season. And actually, probably, if anything, you can argue is England, a bit like Australia, we should have beaten them by a lot more points, but we kept giving them stupid bloody penalties. But away. What I think There's also what an I, argument it wasn't the strongest England side. Either, no, exactly. Right? No, no, that, I don't, that's I don't, a counter. Yeah. I, I think what I would say as well, Ed, is we had to stay in that game. Through all those penalties, we had to hang on. And the other good thing was we created the tries were all well worked, well They're created good tries. chances. And I mean, yeah. the other thing is in the past, when Tuolangi went off in the first stop at the stop right at the start of the game, you're thinking, Oh god, here we go, we're gonna crumble. Uh, you mentioned him anyway. Slade was superb for all three of the tries. You know, he really played a big yeah, part the no-look pass creating- to Kirk is. Oh, yeah, sorry, I mean, sorry yeah. and, and that yeah. one cut the one cut out pass and it, and again mm. it showed the Marcus Smith effect where they they Topsy Ojo analyzed it well where because they're all watching Marcus Smith it creates room for Slade to put that pass because all the defenders are pointing in you know there's there's a lot of good weapons in that team and yes it wasn't you know the penalties we were all really frustrated by but to hang in there Hmm. again it's a bit like a Gloucester game we could have England would have lost that a few years ago because they would have crumbled they would not have held on to that pressure and then being able to fire a shot back and then get keep themselves in it so yeah I I feel reasonably positive about England and and because Eddie Jones has done what I you know, to be fair, I moaned about it. he's blooded some really good youngsters now who you know could come in and do a job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, just a quick 
side note before we move on to sort of anything else you want to chat about um we talk about France and the the greatest try never scored um unfortunately I mean uh, if you do get a chance there's a little clip of uh, the no look pass that Intermac puts in um and as uh, Russ said you could put that on Pornhub it Have is you just seen it? it's the one filth. which shows every angle and the yes, last that one. angle where they switch is ridiculous yeah it's filth um but uh the true greatest try ever scored um other than obviously the barbars new zealand try was scored, uh was scored by was scored by philippe saint andre against england at twickenham in the six nations and uh yeah. for those who are of a certain age um certainly myself Lars, russ and jim would be i think snowy might be a little bit too young for this um our some of our most yeah. formative yeah, maybe. Some of my most formative rugby memories would have been watching the BBC um, and hearing a voice um, over the over the airways of uh, Nigel Summer-Smith. And um, unfortunately, it came to light. I'm, I think I knew it kind of this was the case, but uh, the BBC put a thing out on, um, on um, Saturday um, regarding his, uh, his tragic fight with dementia. Um, and I, I, as someone who's, I, I mean, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's a disease that's affecting more and more people. Uh, you know, both my grandparents were affected by it, and it's a horrible, horrible thing. It's a tough watch, um, but it's something if you if you remember Nigel Summer Smith from a, as a kid, which is a, certainly I do. Um, it, it's good to remember the moments that he commentated on. There's some incredible things if you go on YouTube and see some of those tries that he was commentating uh- on. And, Someone of my age, and Russ can relate, and probably Jim would as well if he was here. He he was as much the voice of rugby as what um, Bill McLaren. McLaren was. Yep. Yeah. Because certainly from being an being an Englishman, you, rugby special was on on a Sunday, and it was all he he commentated on literally every game that was on. Yeah. So he obviously did a voiceover of what was going on on every game they put on there. So it, it, he was the voice that you heard on, on rugby. And he as made- probably more than what Bill McLaren was. Obviously, Bill McLaren was a legendary commentator, from, but his was more international stuff. And obviously, you were more exposed to uh, the, 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 the um, non-international stuff through rugby special more than anything else. I think they both made it accessible. As was yeah. the best thing about their commentary it was it was it was easy to know what they were talking about it didn't make the game sound overly complicated when they were talking about very complicated things it was easy to follow what they were saying and you know i couldn't separate either from memories of, of as a kid they, they, i always feel that the great thing about those commentators and we kind of touched on it uh, the other week about um the number of commentators um being on on bt sport and how there's too much too much noise and it's quite difficult to listen to um, the I never felt that they patronised you as a as a as a, a, a viewer, you know whether it was your first ever rugby game or your hundredth rugby game watching you know international rugby, there was no difference. You felt that they were talking. They assumed that you knew something, and if it was a bit complicated, well, kind of you had to learn, and that was the whole point. And it, I, I always. I always liked that style um, of uh, of commentating. It was that sort of knowing. Like nice sort of hand on your shoulder. This is what's happening. Um, and in a way, yeah. I think the other thing yeah. There's is- too much of oh, and the ball has gone forward. And unfortunately, in rugby union, the ball is not allowed to be not forward going on at the yeah. moment. And with it, and I don't. Just- yeah, I think for me, it's the fact that 
quite often Nigel Starmer-Smith was commentating on his own, which is a very hard skill to do, surely, because he's knowing how much to talk and when to shut up, and mm-hmm. he balanced it very well. And I think of you see that more on Premiership Rugby now. There's a lot of them commentating on individual games, and you just feel like, like you said, Ed, there's a lot of noise. There are times when they don't need to say anything. And there are still some very good commentators now, I think, but yeah. <laughs> it's quite hard because there's so many of them commentating on a game. But back then, he just had a way of making it very engaging when he was on yeah. his own. So it, it's obviously, very, I say, it's really sad and and. I do encourage anybody to watch it. I, I linked it. I put a link on Twitter this, uh, this afternoon. Um, it, watch the clip, watch the, the story. And if you wanted to um, go on YouTube and just dig out some of those great tries, um, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Um, anything else you wanted to chat about, guys? Just sort of more rugby generally. Like There were some interesting results in the championship yesterday. Um, uh, Ealing, Ealing lost quite heavily. But unfortunately, so did Pirates. <laughs> so um, it now means that I think there's, a, there's two points separating Ealing, Pirates and Jersey at the top of the championship. So um, what's, the, what's the setup in terms of the minimum things that they need to hit? In theory, none of those clubs hit the minimums, right? No. So Ealing would have to get a ground share. Um, I think Pirates would have to would have to get a ground share. Where uh, could Pirates ne- ground share? So the nearest place would be Plymouth. Plymouth? Probably home park, Plymouth Isle, Plymouth Isle goals, football ground. Realistically, there, there's nothing, there's there's nothing even talk, close. There, there's some talk, isn't there, of them building, having a stadium developed down in Plymouth, I think. Well, um, uh, uh, in, in six months. No, no. Stadium for Cornwall's been stated for the last yeah, five yeah. years. Oh, yeah, no, it has. Longer, but, I mean, 20 years. to be honest... Yeah. They, they still feel like they would be a better team to come up. For yeah, I think it, it, so. Game, they they but... they are um, they would probably have to play at home park, Plymouth, uh, Plymouth Argyle's football ground. Uh, I don't know of any any um, agreements in place. I know there is kind of talk that Ealing have already agreed with QPR that they would play at Loftus Road <laughs> um, with their nine hundred fans. So that'd be fun. Um, Thirty-two. So yeah. Well, there's the other thing. As it's, well, a 20, it's a twenty. It's a twenty-four thousand cor- seater. Cor- the pi- with, um, Cornish, Cornish Pirates going all the way to Plymouth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but you it's know, this, London, this... London Welsh are playing in Oxford, so <sighs> not. It's not the first time it's happened. And then the other no, team, I, know, Jersey. I don't know. I mean, if no Jersey, Jersey wouldn't. Either, no. So Jersey that wouldn't. I don't believe Jersey's ground would. Would. Um, Jersey's population isn't even ten thousand, is it? I think it is, <laughs> but but I don't think Jersey's ground is is good enough at the moment. I've got a feeling though that they could, if they needed to, put a lot of temporary seating in. Um, I've got I, there's something that, that jogs my memory that they have got a plan if they absolutely it, had it, to. It, I think there's a long. You get the point I'm trying to make though. Oh no no agreed. <laughs> it, I mean it's, it's a you fast. Got, you, thing, you've you know. got to have a cap- capacity of X amount of thousand, but you can't actually get that many people that that to go and watch the game. It's yeah. a very interesting season in there, isn't it? I mm. mean. I fought long and hard about this, what my thoughts are on relegation. And, you know, suddenly I don't know, I can't explain why it is, but I just, I'm suddenly, really, I'm suddenly back in favour of there being relegation. And I just can't Funny think enough, what the reason is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. What the I don't know what it's, is. It's, I've always been a staunch uh, advocate of ring fencing. And then, this season, again, Russ, I don't know what it is, mate. Something's I, just I don't know. And, and uh, I, I'll tell you what, just, just to be fair, I did see someone else put that joke up on Twitter. And what was funny is someone responded seriously, <laughs> gave him all the reasons in favour. And he went, yes, 
but bah for bottom. And then this person <laughs> came back with more arguments when he went, please see above. You know, the fact that people couldn't realise he was joking. And I mean, I saw part of the game and I think what I find funny was everyone was patronising with praise to Bath going, they played much better. They were really good. I watched the first half and finished watching it in the background where I was watching. They were awful. And if you want to see, like, the Sam Simmons pick up from the base of the scrub, I have it's never seen Dan, Dan Cipriani is like, come on through. It was like watching The Price is Right. He just yeah. did not want to know. Six steps yeah. before the back row moved, which tells yeah. you everything you need to know. So the eight wasn't looking. The uh, <laughs> Simpson didn't call it. And uh, and Cipriani, whoever it was, standing at, at, at uh, on the inside, didn't want to <laughs> I mean, know. I, I honestly, watching him and Simpson for them, I am beginning to wonder if they've been sent down there to sabotage them as agents of Gloucester. <laughs> but yeah, you know. That's a conspiracy hell. theory and a half, isn't it, that one? Yeah, well, I mean, they're doing right. Well, the thing is, we got to see when Simpson, I believe Simpson would still be on loan um, when we play them on Boxing Day. And I am not. I'm not aware. I, I I know in football that you're not allowed to play against your loan club. Um, so I'm assuming he won't be able to play against us, which might be a shame, really. I mean, from yeah. Well, part of me wants to say it's a, part of me wants to say it's a shame, but I also remember all those times where he's run yeah, against us as well. I know. I know. over the years, he's done rather well against us. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Anybody else want to sort of anything generally about rugby or? Um, I don't know if anyone saw the Bristol game. But their defense was shocking. They got thumped. Well. I know that. Uh, well, I, 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 I yeah, saw, they got they got stuffed up front. That's what I did see. I saw well, the highlights. We're still struggling. If only they didn't have a team that's got a track record of. Uh, well, this is the teams that have been struggling. I, I think you know this is the worry, Lars, isn't it? Is they put up the bar fixtures and they said, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> where's the wind coming from there?" And you're looking at it thinking, "Fucking Boxing Day, it's going to be fucking Boxing Day. <laughs> it's, it's going to be Boxing Day, and you bastards are just jinxing us even more." And then, yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, they would have to. I feel like they'd have to up their game and Bristol as well. But yeah, we're going back to the cliche, isn't it? Is who would you want to play at the moment? And that's the, you know, we're all coming through as Gloucester fans here, aren't we? You know, this is the thing. This Bristol side, we're never going. to... I hate using this because I remember when uh, we couldn't get Biowind down in Bath and the co- the commentary in the paper by the players where they had their article. We'll never have a better time of beating them than going fucking lose by thirty points to them. Yeah, or draw. That, that, that was the worst draw, one. Yeah. No, the Bristol, well, actually, really bad, worse than Leeds. No, no, genuinely, the one, the um, one, I think it was the year they finished bottom, or finished when yeah, they should have got relegated. Yeah, yeah, 2002. Yeah. Bristol finished bottom, didn't they? But no, but my point being is, you just can't help but want to say, with that Bristol side, will I not have a better chance of beating them with I, that I, squad I, that they got than what that is this season? I, I was about to say, I think the serious point for me is, we talk about how we want to see where Gloucester are, I think in all seriousness, Snowy says about beating a good team. For me, it's winning these games now. We we should win them comfortably. I think that for me would be quite telling now is to get through these these games where you would on paper think we should win these well. What worries me is in the past are the games where we've gone missing or bottled it. So I think the next few games feel quite a good gauge of how serious we can be about pushing for a top six Champions Cup place next season, really. 
Yeah, well, uh, you, I agree. Because, we should you know, really be looking at top four. The way we're going I, I, I'd but... like to think, but I think the, the, the bare minimum now of where we are, when you come up to Chris, you want Champions Cups massive for next year for player recruitment, isn't it? it, would, it, it yeah. I know, and it helps with getting in better players and building for me. I, I think there are some poor teams in the league this year. And because of that, I think we should be targeting top six. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is a, this is the worst. This is probably the worst Premiership I've seen in a long time. To be brutally yeah. honest, they turn around yeah. and say the beauty of Premiership is anyone can beat anyone, but it's not through the quality this year. It's just dire. There's a it's weird because a side like a side like Leicester have managed to step it up considerably, but a lot of others have just fallen off a cliff. <laughs> but, I was going to say that's the thing for me is the quality's dropped away from the rest and, of the and, you, and that, that, yeah. that is what's going on at Exeter at the moment. You know, it's I know I know they're still above us in the league, but they and struggle to you know, Quinns do well and then slip up against Irish. I, and I think that was the thing I was saying earlier in the season is it doesn't feel like we need to do much to be in competition because there's no one standing out. So it's like these games that we're just winning it's just it doesn't take much to start just keep getting bonus points and keep chipping away it's like if yeah, we that's can also avoid the frustrating, that's also yeah, the frustrating I, thing about letting them in late on to get a pit bonus points for like they could be vital come the end of the season if teams keep beating each other so if Gloucester can just stop cut, giving away silly losing bonus points and we just keep being clinical you feel like you're giving yourself half a chance then yeah yeah i mean um my my view on it is if we can if we can win the next two well if we can win the next two or three games in the league um you know you look at the teams we're playing we've got bristol home bath away harlequins at home you know that's a challenge you could see us losing all three i could see us winning all three um, it, but if you if you come out the end of that maybe with two or th- two out of those three win the home games, uh, I know I wouldn't want I don't want us to lose the bath away, but you know that's it's not eight or nine the, eight or nine points from that feels a good return, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I just I get the feeling that it, I'm, I am more comfortable and confident with the way that things are progressing. There are still things I don't like. I don't like the amount of box kicking. There are certain things that defence is still an issue. It's become less of an issue because we're winning, but it is still an issue. Um, And I I do think that there are significant gaps in the depth. I think centres were still lacking. I think I'd like to see some of the um, younger players given an opportunity. If they're not up to it, that's an area of recruitment we need to look at. Um, Obviously, the the announcement in the week over um, uh, the fans forum was that we've re-signed Alamano, we've re-signed Malval Rapava-Ruskin, we've re-signed Georgi Kivas-Ladzi, and we've re-signed Ruin Ackerman. So that's good. Um, there is going to be a delay on probably announcements for new signings because there's a dispute between the agents and um, uh, professional rugby. And I, uh, I think also the RFU and the HMRC, there's all there's some tax issue and how money is uh, awarded or given percentages and stuff. So that's, that's an ongoing issue. So you might find that a lot of those um, the signings we would expect to hear about in January, February are delayed. But the club did make a point that they are going to be looking for um, strengthening the pack. So um, I would expect, as Russ was asking for earlier, you might see a front rower. Uh, And I would also expect to see a second row, probably, because Mm. I'm thinking maybe one of the... Although we've got Slater and Alamano and Davison, uh, we probably need another 
player there. Well, Alex, Alex Craig's barely played in the last 18 months, hasn't he? No, exactly. But um, we'll see. I mean, you know, I'd like to see another centre. A, a big, like, ball-carrying centre yeah, would be my my that. my pick. But it's, you know, they're, they're, they're difficult to to find but anyway right on that note thank you very much guys i really appreciate your time again um we will um ca- uh, catch up next weekend after another win over bristol um and uh we will we'll be um leading up to the the good fun and the fun and games i'm gonna get in leon fingers crossed cheers guys cheers cheers, cheers.